Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top, the body-positive, sex-positive show with your host Jenny Lynn and Auntie Vice. This show contains explicit language, not suitable for most minors or easily offended majors. It contains opinionated discussion about politics, race, sex, fat folks, gender, which may not be suitable for conservatives. Additionally, some shows may contain references to science, statistics, history, research, mathematics, and reality, which may not be suitable for American evangelicals. Jenny Lynn. Auntie Vice. What do horse racing and sex have in common? Hmm. I don't know what. The language. <laughs> faster. Faster. Don't stop. Use the fucking whip. Use the fucking whip. That part. <laughs> Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. This show is all on dating and sex. Yes. This is your co-host, Auntie Vice. I'm here with my sexy, sexy co-host, hey. Jenny Lynn. I'm so excited for today's shows because I got high. I just would like to say that. I'm ready for it. But about last night, did you do it last night? I was tired. I'm old. I will, I, will fully, I will fully fess up. I do not have sex every night anymore. I think I'm like a five time a week kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really high for a married person. Statistically, the average married couple has uh, sex between two and three times a week. That's a fucking lie. I don't know one married couple right now that's fucking more than three times a week in life. And like, that's a struggle. Like, someone's asleep while it's happening. And there's a definition of a sexless marriage. You can still have sex six times a year and be considered a sexless marriage. (laughs) But the number of sexless marriages are on the rise. It's now almost 20%. So I think that's crap. And something I like to do to avoid that for my own health purposes is if it gets stagnant, I'm, I'm about the 30-day sex challenge. Mm-hmm. I will do the 30-day sex challenge maybe like once a year, mm-hmm. jumpstart my appetite for my husband and just be like, yeah, we're doing this. So we have to get right into it because our show is based an allusion to sex acts fat chicks on top yeah fat chicks are not supposed to like sex like we're supposed to be grateful anybody's willing to have sex with us no are you grateful for everybody who wants to have sex with you no i want everyone to lust after me and love me and think i'm great but don't touch me i don't need you i've got a husband i'm good (laughs) well and the perception is that most people don't want to sleep with somebody who's bigger we're not supposed to be sexy has that been your experience are people generally not attracted to you i'm drawn to you and you're a bigger woman i saw you on stage i gravitated towards you i lusted after you i was like you're gonna be my new best friend and so i don't have that 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 bias does not apply to what i'm personally into Mm -hmm. and i have plenty of people in my dm trying to crush on me and like it's happening i need more tit pics but whatever like life goals and i think people forget that there's a wide range of what people find attractive right culturally we're prog- we're programmed to find one thing attractive you have to be thin young white and that is supposed to be who has sex outside of that you're not supposed to really be sexually attracted in the larger world there's actually quite a bit of a variance on what people find desirable even asexual people mm-hmm. or people that are on like the demisexual scale mm-hmm. still need those intimacies in other ways mm-hmm. and are having those needs needs met non-sexually you know people are desired after there is somebody for everyone the size thing does not apply no and everybody has a need for touch one of the things that comes up a lot especially in the u.s is heterosexual men don't get a lot of non-sexual touch Mm -hmm. they don't hold hands with their bros they don't hug each other all of that is become very sexualized and the same things happened in the women's community we have like this schizophrenic relationship with sex you're supposed to be desirable until marriage sex is the goal of dating for most people then when you get into marriage if you fall into kind of a rut where you're not having great sex or not having sex at all it's like well it shouldn't matter well the other thing we talk about health a lot Mm -hmm. and i'm not on medications anymore no medications no birth control Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm clear i'm i'm going to the gym so i'm like mentally clear Mm -hmm. the right strain of some good marijuana that's a super help for the endometriosis problems and the Mm -hmm. other things like i have thyroid issues and other crap there's a reason i am my weight but i'm working on it and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna let myself not be sexual because of it I've earned my sexuality. Yeah. I have these stretch marks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shake them. You brought it up. It's We haven't talked about it much on the show, but we are both bipolar. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed at 20. I've been living with bipolar one, so I'm mostly manic. 
I do go through depressive phases and you? I have, <laughs> I'm bipolar one, mm-hmm. OCD, and a complete germaphobe. So it's like a compelling combination of <laughs> problems. <laughs> Having a child and the germaphobia and all those, it's totally complicated. My OCD is totally triggered by the bipolar. Mm-hmm. And I go through anxious phases. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, they want to put me on Adderall so I can mm-hmm. focus and do the things and just, you know, mm-hmm. not tap on doors before I leave. So in being bipolar for people who aren't familiar they put you on a whole slew of drugs if you do a traditional western treatment yeah they take away your alcohol and say we're giving you this cocktail (laughs) yeah you're not supposed to drink but for me it's you know when i was treating it with western medication it was antidepressants mood stabilizers antipsychotics and all of those have side effects which can affect your sexuality so when you put together lamectol lithium and ativan you don't want to do it it's right. nap time a number of them for me caused like vaginal dryness and my libido went to shit yeah and it makes it hard to maintain so part of finding what works is finding something with the side effects that you can tolerate mm-hmm. and one of the long-term issues i had working with psychiatrists who were mostly men was that well you know you're a woman who cares if you get sexually turned on and when i was in a lesbian relationship it's like well women don't have sex nah we do <laughs> you're interfering with it like needs <laughs> yeah there are needs there when my psychiatrist would be heterosexual it's like and i was with a man well just use lube and power through which is not helpful no because it was his pleasure not mine yeah that's that's not it that's not your body Mm -hmm. producing those things and yeah there's a whole host of things that happens in that area warming tightening self-lubrication desire to receive well and feeling desirable yeah you know a number of those medications cause acne and weight gain and you know I've, I've joked for a long time you know when you read the side effects it's like well this can cause weight gain suicidal feelings and a decrease in sexuality and i'm like well if i want to stay home not get laid get zits and want to kill myself i can do that without a copay <laughs> <laughs> that's free <laughs> yeah that's kind of where i'm at so it took a long time and now i use mostly naturopathic methods mm-hmm. i found a naturopathic psychiatrist who was trained in western medicine but i respond very strongly to western medicine in a very negative way and so we were able to find a complex set of natural treatments right to help keep me because if i'm manic i want to fuck all the time but i'm not connected with anybody which makes it bad sex for me right like i want to be connected to the person and be focused and not just going like the energizer bunny because that's not good sex for me <laughs> so so let's destigmatize the whole idea that that fat chicks don't ride. Do you ride? Yeah, I'm like a reverse cowgirl rider, though. Okay. I prefer a good reverse cowgirl. When I was 18, a young man that I gave a one-night stand to after I sympathy wrote him, he said my frontward sex was like swoosh, swoosh when my tits slapped together <laughs> and twerked in front of him. Consequently, I ended up marrying the person that he told that to. Ooh. So he doesn't mind and life is good and no slut shaming here. Yeah, I, I'm a backwards writer. Mm-hmm. Just because like, I feel like my tits just fall too forward. forward. I they become like, a smother station? It's more than a smother station. You're going to die. And as like time's gone on in the nursing situation, the, the, the swoosh is impactful. It's like we are fucking, you know, turning rope for for hopscotch or whatever the fuck that game is double dutch we're doing double dutch now it's beyond swoosh swoosh what about you do you like to hop on top i didn't for the longest time and part of it was being self-conscious okay you know i got bigger in my late 20s i did have that fear of crushing my partner and all of that my ex-wife was significantly different sized than me she was uh five feet tall so there was that was awkward just the height difference alone would have been awkward you know my my current partner a sound man who's now going to have to listen to uh, listen to me talk to about him but he's gotten used to this has got me into writing like he's worked with me he's worked on my rhythm because i was a white girl i went to white church so i'm used to having to catch that beat oh wow He's shown me a few tricks that have made me enjoy writing. And now I, now I really enjoy it. Any techniques that you could share with us? The knees are further forward. Okay. And when I get tired of leaning forward, 
he puts his hands up and I'll hold on to them for a brace. Okay. And that, that works. Okay. Yeah. It's a, but it was finding the right partner to make me feel comfortable and not like I was... I'm not free from societal bias. And it's like, that's a lot writing on that. Took a lot to get over that body consciousness to be able to do it. So if I'm going to get on forward and like mm-hmm. participate, there's a special move I like. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you straddle. Mm-hmm. Knees forward, like you said, mm-hmm. is really important. It's key. Your knees should be up around his belly button. Do you understand Oh, me? mine are up under his pits. Oh, yeah, like at least. And so if riding on top on your knees is too hard, mm-hmm. I'm going to need you to crouching tiger that shit and get mm-hmm. on, you know, your feet and, mm-hmm. and lower yourself, ladies. Uh, gentlemen it doesn't matter the key for me is like i like to reach my hands behind my back Mm -hmm. spread my butt cheeks and really straddle it down Uh uh-huh and then pull my butt back and sit on my ass there you go not like a little bit sit on your ass Mm -hmm. sit on your ass like your Nicki minaj sit (laughs) and literally your pussy becomes a suction cup Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're getting agreement sound guys like yes (laughs) so you just gotta like work the suction Mm -hmm. cup and just circles and like Mm -hmm. i'm having i'm bouncing on the couch thinking about this right now i'm like (laughs) work the suction cup so frontward facing not so bad now I just lost 40 pounds. Right. Felix, you're very happy about that. I, I am. I'm still on the, the big girl side of the mm-hmm. scale. That's not changing. But what I will say is I'm a little more confident mm-hmm. the other direction. See, reverse cowgirl doesn't work for me because of my geography down there is yeah, laid yeah. out a little different. And because of where the openings are tilted and everything, yeah. it doesn't, it's awkward for me. Got it. So do you wear lingerie? Every fucking night. And you wear it for you or you wear it for him? Me. True story. When we first got into our relationship, you know, I was 18. He was Mm -hmm. 21, barely or something. He's like, I don't like lingerie. I think a lot of guys are like that. As pieces accumulated that were like, oh, I need undergarments. Mm -hmm. Or you walk around the house and you catch that eye and that person's like, fuck. Mm -hmm. So someone a few years ago was like, I had noticed... You know, I didn't notice you. You usually look more dressed up. Mm -hmm. So I made a point to start dressing up outside the house. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that I wanted pajamas. And so I have a whole host of sexy teddies, lingerie, Mm -hmm. onesie, jumper, all of the things because I feel good in it. I'm not an initiator Mm -hmm. in sex. I want someone to reach over and put their hand on me and touch Mm -hmm. and initiate so I can just be like, yeah, ravish me. What about you? I like wearing lingerie. I go through phases where I, I prefer one type over another. Okay. But I do. I like feeling sexy. I've seen you corset it up. Like, I love oh corsets. God. Oh, I love corsets. And, and they hoist up the girls like Mother Earth and they give me a waist. Like a, a nice steel boned corset mm-hmm. will really suck in. And that makes me feel sexy. Are, do you wear your corsets during sex? Sometimes. I I can't. I'm not a shoe girl. Mm-hmm. Are, I, you you wear super sexy shoes. I do. How do you maneuver super sexy shoes as a big girl that's like 12 feet tall? See, I always go to to the Miss Manners thing, which is you know, dear Miss Manners, is there a proper way to walk in high heel shoes? Uh huh. And she gives the snarkiest reply ever, which is gentle reader, left right, left right. <laughs> no give me more like the balls of my feet hurt practice no that shit hurts some of them do it's finding ones with the right pitch and where the heels are and for me it really depends on how my body feels if i'm tired i can't pull it off if i'm feeling good you're in seven inch spike platform Mm -hmm. patent leather shoes ready to dom somebody just like "Ah oh yeah frightening all of my girlfriends wear spike shoes Mm -hmm. and you guys look amazing Mm -hmm. i'm the stupid girl with chucks some flat shoes Mm -hmm. give me toms like i wore two inch heels Mm -hmm. last night I'm regretting it. I limped down the stairs to let you guys in. I was like, that was a stupid mistake. So the last topic I want to touch on before we go to our our show with everybody else is sex toys. Do you bring them into your sex life? Yeah. All the time. Every other day. (laughs) What kind do you like? Full disclosure, I am a sex toy addict. Like a high end. I'm saving up for 24 karat gold sex toys that you're allergic to and Mm -hmm. I'll never let you play with. (laughs) I'm into sex toys. One of my favorite ones is the WeVibe 4 Mm -hmm. Plus. And that's really cool if you have a long distance relationship or you're into like 
kinky play outside of your home Mm -hmm. you can take it to the movie theater and your partner can control it with their phone through the bluetooth app so and it looks like your partner's just on the phone but they're pleasuring you while you're out and about exactly also you don't even have to have them on your phone they can have the little remote control in their pocket if Mm -hmm. you're trying to be more discreet Mm -hmm. and you know there's always like that kill switch you could keep it if if you wanted that Mm -hmm. too they make some really cool shit for men now there's open sleeve Mm -hmm. vibration toys that are really soft and silicone-y things that silicone-y feel fleshy like the Mm -hmm. toys that they've been making for women for Mm -hmm. a long time so I love that like the little Kegel exercisers that you're playing fucking bird games Angry on birds your or whatever like, yeah totally fun i started using that and i stopped peeing when i sneeze awesome it works awesome. like I, I will vouch for that i haven't peed when i sneezed in like a month and does it improve your sex life i'm already having hella sex I, and my sex is quality sex okay. I'm, I'm actually happy with the sex that i'm having i think having sex and having a partner that is into you and mm-hmm. wants you that's what makes your sex great it not makes, the toys no and it, having a partner who finds you attractive mm-hmm. makes you feel at least for me i feel so much when they give me that look of ooh, i'm gonna i'm gonna tap that yeah I'm you're like, a snack i'm like right there and i will do yes sir anything you want sir yep. right away sir insta sir yeah <laughs> yes how can i please you <laughs> yes. would you like a snack can i get you something to drink how can i help you oh master please <laughs> like, i think mm-hmm. having a partner that's okay with sex toys and really mm-hmm. secure with them and confident that you're not gonna leave them for a sex toy right that it's a, a tool to add something and not a replacement well stay tuned through the break and we'll be right back Welcome back to Fat Chicks on Top. We're here this afternoon with Andrew Gerza, who does the podcast Disability After Dark. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's great to have you on the show. I reached out to you because your podcast addresses one of the most taboo things, which is disabled people having sex and having relationships. Yep. Why, yep. Did you, why did you start that podcast? I started the podcast. Really, I mean, I was I've been doing this work. As a presenter and writer for six years on my own, and before doing any kind of podcast, I was writing about disability and presenting, and I was like, you know, podcasting is a really cool medium, and I wanted to see if there were other, if there was a disability sex podcast, and I looked around. Very quickly, I realized that there were only one or two episodes on each podcast about the top, like, major sex podcasts about disability, and I was like, well, that's, that's great. They all seem to center around the same kind of narrative in their shows of like, oh, we're going to interview this disabled person and ask all the same questions about sex. And so every every single interview with, with all the different hosts and the different formats they did their show was, we're going to ask, how do you have sex as, as a disabled person? Every single host asked that question in one way or another. And I was like, this, no, there's so much more to it than this. I could do this. This is easy enough for me to do. It's not as physically taxing as they doing a video format. So I was like, I can do podcasting is pretty accessible to me. So I was like, why don't I just do that? I would encourage our, our listeners to check it out. It's a great show. It covers a huge range of topics. I wanted to dispel a few things for our listeners. One of the things people tend to do with people with any type of disability, and but there's a belief that if you're disabled, you're not sexual. Does that happen as much with people with physical disabilities? It's so funny that people think that. And I'm, I'm, oh, I don't actually know where that idea came from. I think, I think that came from like centuries old believing that we just didn't. We, but I think what more so, it's not that we're not sexual. It's that we can't. Mm-hmm. have sex and so people so people assume if you can't you're gonna just you're gonna just let that part of your personality lie dormant which is just not true in terms of physical disabilities i hear it all the time from within my community of oh i just didn't realize you could and it's like way and you know given that it's all, that it's basically halfway through 2018 when we're recording this it's pretty disheartening that we're st- this is still what we're doing this is still the questions we're being asked. Now, you when you talk about your community, it's the gay community, right? You're out as queer. and So as I get older, it's more so queer. 
and I, I use the term gay and queer sometimes interchangeably, but really the term queer for me is more centered into who I am because I don't feel like I fit within the gay community. I don't feel like I have a space because of my disability and because they've done so much to, and I think much of this has been unintentional, but they've unintentionally ostracized me from wanting to be there. So queer feels a lot more at home because it doesn't necessarily encompass the gay aesthetic. It encompasses everybody. And so I'm trying to say queer more because that also forces me outside of my own comfort zone. Being a queer man who's attracted to men, we're taught a very certain, very specific ideologies of what we're supposed to go after. So there's supposed to be white muscle gods who go to the gym with big dicks and are down to fuck all the time. That's a hot image. I think that's great. Like, masturbate to that all you like, if that's your thing. But that's just not realistic. And so queer forces me to remember that not everybody fits in that binary. You talk about the queer aesthetic, and I grew up in similar culture as you did, is where thin, strong, white, fully able-bodied, that was what is sexualized and romanticized. Being shown that... Did that impact the way you saw yourself, or did you always just kind of feel like, yeah, I'm sexy and I just don't fit in? Oh, wow, that's a loaded question. I'm still not comfortable with my aesthetic. <laughs> I'm 34, and I do this for a living, and this is who I am, and I, I tout queerness and disability as my bread and butter, and I'm still not comfortable with who I am. I'm and I was totally raised on the idea that white, cisgendered, able-bodied, good-looking men with muscles and a big dick was the way to that I was supposed to go. Even now, sometimes that aesthetic is what I go after, and I have to, like, slap myself upside the head and go, no, no, Andrew, you're being really, that's wrong. Like, don't do that. Look for someone who's outside that comfort zone. So, yeah, I've totally been influenced by that, for sure. For you, when you look at yourself and you, you get that narrative in your head of, I don't fit in here, I may not be sexy, is it the, the corrective version that you just gave of you kind of slap yourself upside the head and go, no, wait, you know, this is what I've been trained into? Or are there other ways that have worked for you to get more comfortable with your own body? The ways I get more comfortable is by podcasting about it and writing about it and getting naked on camera for magazines who want to do disability awareness stuff and who want to do queer stuff with disability and like doing stuff that is I've approached porn companies and said, Hey, like I want to do this. Maybe hire me sometime for like what, you know, I'm very bold about what I do because that forces me to be okay with all this stuff that I'm not 100% okay with. What has been the response to porn companies when you've approached them? I don't hear a lot back or I'll hear, wow, we'd love to work with you, but we have no idea how to do that. Sorry. And then I'll just kind of disregard it and move on. And, you know, there have been some, there have been some indie porn people that have wanted to do stuff with me, but finding a partner that was comfortable working with me was hard. It's a bit of a mixed bag, but porn is something I love to, and not, not because I want to be a quote unquote porn star. That's not, you know, that's never really, I mean, that would be fun for a minute, but that's not really why I want to do it. I want to do it because I want to see myself or a version of myself being sexualized in a way that is that I own. This is okay with me. I don't want to be fetishized for an able-bodied audience. That's a, I mean, that's a hard, even that's a hard thing to talk about because in a way I do, in a way when you talk about sex and disability so openly like, like we do, you do fetishize yourself in a way for an able-bodied audience. So saying that I don't want to is a weird thing to say. And it's weird because I, I enjoy being fetishized to a point for able for able-bodied men to fuck me like i love i love saying things like oh i'll be your first cripple like come <laughs> do me now like i love doing stuff like that because it's fun to play with that but i'm also aware of the dangers of saying stuff like that and how it can cre create again a binary a binary of disability versus able-bodied when you start going out and dating you you talk about your dating life a lot talked about being able to find people who will go on dates, but not long-term stuff. That's been a little harder to find. In your experience, is it like the challenges that everybody faces of finding somebody who has your same level of weird and you can grow together and support each other? Or are there other obstacles to finding somebody for a long-term relationship? It's those challenges plus an extra added layer of disability. I want somebody who's weird wacky and wonderful and also has you know i have a very high sex drive so i want somebody who's like down to fuck all the time aside from that i want someone who understands disability or somebody who not i want someone who is willing to learn about disability and finding someone who partners who are not scared and partners who are able to admit they're scared of disability and move forward so i want somebody who is 
I don't know if I want one partner. I've never been with somebody long enough to know, but I really, I think that I'm polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. But I want somebody who's willing to say, hey, disability scares the shit out of me, but I like you. Let's do this together. I think when we, it, it's not PC to be afraid of disability. Right. So everybody says stuff like, oh yeah, no problem. Your disability is fine. And then they start doing it and they realize, oh wow, it's a, it's, it's really, it's a big deal. I want someone who can acknowledge that it's scary because it is scary. Even for me doing it, for living, living in this disabled body is not always the most fun thing. But a lot of it gets down to the fact that many of the spaces where gay men and queer men go are not accessible for wheelchair users or those with mobility devices. So I can't go to the local watering hole and say, hey, like, I think you're cute. Do you think I'm cute? Want to go home together and fuck? That's an option. And then even even if I could enter the space, emotional access is an issue too. If I go in, if I can get into the space, but nobody looks at me or nobody talks to me or they all give me side eye because I'm the disabled guy in the room, I'm not going to feel very welcome there. That's definitely an issue in our community. Any bit of differences. You stand out. Which is, again, ironic, because this is a com- this is a community supposedly predicated on difference, but then when you look at any set of our community, especially within gay men, we all start to look like boyfriend twins. Mm-hmm. So we all start to look like each other, and it's like, wow, you're dating yourself. That's a little bit, all right, sure. But then, you know, where's the disabled guy who's with his boyfriend twin? Where's that? You talk about having a high sex drive, and I think that's another thing that'll sometimes surprise people, is that when you're living with uh, either a physical or an intellectual disability, your sexuality develops on the same path as everybody else, right? Well, I mean, I I can't speak for all disabilities, and I can't I don't want to pretend like I am. I can say for me, when I was 21, I had the sex drive of a 21-year-old, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting into your 30s, and you're kind of like a lot of people in their 30s, looking for the type of relationship that'll fit you. In exploring things like poly and open relationships, have you found those communities to be any more or less welcoming than mainline gay community? Well, seeing as I very rarely have a a repeat lover or repeat event with somebody, um, I haven't had the chance to explore my poly side because no one's really stuck around. But I know for myself, the idea of hitching myself to one wagon doesn't, appealed to me in the least and that's partially because of disability and that's because i've not been given the chance to try all these things i want to try are there things that you look for before you date somebody or is it just like you're hot you think i'm hot let's go on a date i mean for me really it's like throw you in the pool and see if you can swim (laughs) i want to see and that's not that's not to like test them but i want to see this is who i am are you okay there's really no way to know because everybody thinks that thinks that you're going to be okay. Funnily enough, I'll test them by saying things in bed like, hey, you're going to come back, right? Hey, you're going to like, we're going to hang out again, right? To see like, what is there? Or, you know, I'll, I'll push the boundaries a little bit of a, of a hookup and say like, hey, you want to go for coffee after this? Want to throw me in my chair and go for coffee? And like, I want to see like, where does your interest lie? Do you want to just fuck the disabled guy? Because that's fine. But do you want to like get to know me too? And if you do, here's what I'm gonna ask you. Throw I throw them in and say let's let's see this together because it's an experience for me too. So and we'll see what happens. And that's a way to see how they feel about being the disabled person in public. How they I watch. Will they open the door for me? I watch to see our interaction of sex. What are they doing to make sure that that I'm accommodated? Are they are they doing something without me asking? Are they putting themselves out there for me? Since you've started opening up on on podcasts and talking a lot more about your own sexuality. What's been the biggest things to surprise you? About my sexuality? Yeah. It surprises me how much how much my discussion of sexuality has resonated with people. I got an email just 20 minutes ago from somebody who was like, oh my God, I listen to your podcast and it gives me community and I feel so at home listening to you and thank you for sharing this thing. We're going to wrap up the show. If people want to find you, um, they can find me at by going to Twitter at Andrew Gerza. They can find the podcast by going to Twitter at DisAfterDarkPod on Twitter. They can find all of my written work and, and my consulting stuff at AndrewGerza.com. And I would love it if your listeners, anybody who's disabled who's listening, with the podcast, I've also started a Minnesota 
component where every Wednesday I get people to write me in letters about anything regarding disability, then I read them back in hilarious fashion. So if people want to write in for that, they can head over to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and send me in a big letter about anything related to disability and I'll turn it into a Minnesota. And are you getting Chinese food today? Today? It's probably going to be pizza, honestly, today. Uh Chinese food is exorbitantly expensive. We know this. Mm -hmm. So... Pizza's a little bit cheaper, so today it's pizza. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. We're here with Melissa McMurray. She is an awesome lady. She is a moderator for the Fat Positive Sacramento Facebook page, which is well worth joining. Thank you for coming in for us today. So the first thing I got to say is, if you look at your Facebook page, you always have the cutest selfies and great clothes. (laughs) Where do you find your clothes and why do you do such cute selfies? That's hard to say because I have this story at my, um, when I was working downtown, um, some other girls would ask me and then all of a sudden everybody was wearing the same clothes as me. But... (laughs) (laughs) So you're not going to give out your secrets anymore? I'll do that for the fat girls. Uh, I usually buy a lot of my clothes off of eShakti. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, It's super awesome. If you guys are going to go after this website, use my name for the privilege code. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I'll get a discount. Uh, But no, they, they charge like ten dollars for um, customization on to tailor to your specific uh, and they, they do a good job and they get proportions right and all that they do a great job and if for some reason they mess up you can take it to a tailor and they'll reimburse you for those costs <laughs> that's awesome do you find that clothing makes you feel sexy empowered cute it can so it kind of depends on what kind of vibe I'm feeling sometimes I'm a high femme so I identify as queer I guess we should start there. Um, Sometimes I like to red lipstick, do that high femme power situation. I don't do high heels just because I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, for the most part, it depends. So like I rode in a bike today and I was feeling a little bit more butch. So I just kind of, it just really depends. But yeah, Ishakti has allowed me to feel more empowered. Um, I have a queer high femme mom who met when she met me all I was wearing was jeans it could be 115 degrees outside and I would wear jeans and so she's like oh you're high femme you just don't know it so I love that she introduced me that's awesome um so you're part of the poly community the polyamory community and because polyamory looks different to different people and isn't practiced in different ways can you tell us a little bit about how you practice it what that means for you sure so that is such a broad question and it's really hard to answer I think everybody kind of does it a little bit differently. Um, for me, I do have what I call an anchor partner. Her name is Kay. We live together. We're in an escalating type relationship. So by escalating, what that means is we have uh, entanglements, we have financial entanglements, we have um, co-ownership, those kind of things. Uh, and we're together with the intention of our relationship escalating through traditional, quote unquote, traditional uh, means. And you're still dating and growing in the poly community? I am. Uh, I am still dating. It's been extremely challenging here in Sacramento specifically. Dating out in uh, like Oakland and such is a lot more diverse and a lot more progressive. Uh, here, the specific poly community here in Sacramento, uh, I've recognized to be very homonormative. And it has fostered a lot of the uh, rape culture and a lot of um, toxic masculinity. So it's been really hard to navigate the community here. Uh, I know they're trying. I know there's an underground queer community. Uh, we kind of keep to ourselves because it's more, it's safer. So how do you find people to date? How does that go? Where are you best received? Like tips, tools? Online is vastly different than what public can right. be. <laughs> uh, for example, I was, I was, so I was on Tinder a couple days ago. Guy messaged me and he's like, I don't know what Polly is, but you're thick as fuck and I want to fuck you. I'm just like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> like, uh, but it puts you in this weird spot because it's like, Thanks for the compliment, I guess. So you find yourself being fetishized. I can't, yes. Frequently, frequently I have found myself being fetishized. Um, I'm more into trying to educate people in the best way possible, and I know that's not everybody's jam. It takes a lot of mental and emotional labor to kind of express what's happening. So online, I do find that I am kind of having to explain a lot what polyamory is, what um, consensual... Um, 
ethical non-monogamy means. Uh, so by the time we get around to it, like there isn't an actual date that comes to fruition because they feel so much education has happened. So much education, uh, or they're intimidated because. How long have you been poly? Uh, I've, I've been going. I've been practicing openly for about four years or so. And is it received within your family, your other vanilla community well, around you? <laughs> My family is a whole other nutshell because um, there's not very many of them. And I just being queer is kind of uh, different in itself. So I don't want to inundate them with additional or open myself up to additional hardships. So, I mean... Work receives it really well. Um, I am semi-out. Uh, I'm fully out queer, um, so that's nice. I think it's kind of expected uh, just because of the level of things I talk about at work. I talk about sex work openly. I talk about kink. I talk because we have to. Um. So, yeah, I would say it's received fairly decently. Do you find being in the queer community, there's different expectations around pe the way people look? Is it kind of mainline? Like, what are you... What are the queer standards of beauty these days? So I have passing privilege, so it's really hard for me specifically because I look like a, f a straight person walking down the street. Um, as far as, so there's these intersecting identities. So as far as being uh, a fat woman in the queer community, once it's noted that I'm queer, um, I'm a lot more accepted in the queer community than I am in the the, norm the uh, heteronormative community in terms of being fat, in my personal experiences. So it's been nice. Like, I've been upheld as a fat woman. I've been celebrated, worshipped, those uh, kind of things. So it, it's, it's really been a spectrum for me in my experiences. And how do you find, like, you and your partner growing now and everything? How do you see that evolving into your future as, as you explain to other potential partners what your situation is and what that looks like? How do you find room for them in that and really explain to them that there's room in your heart for love, you're ready? <laughs> so I should first start... Uh, I should back up a little bit before I met Kay. I met Kay two years ago, and she has been the most amazing partner. She's actually monogamous. So um, she takes to it like a duck to water, and I'm really impressed and amazed by her. She, uh, Her number one concern is making sure that I don't get hurt which is super endearing. Prior to that, I was operating as a solo poly. So what a solo poly is, is someone that doesn't intentionally have any um, entanglements with anybody and they operate on be their own auton autonomous um, self. Uh, when I was operating as a solo poly, I was open to a lot of extra couples abuse or privilege. And so it created a lot of, um, a, it created a lot of trauma for me personally. And so that caused me to now, when I met Kay, um, I became a lot more selective in who I'm dating. So I'm a, a little bit more low-key in who I'm dating. I am dating this one gentleman that I just went out on one date with, um, so we're seeing where that goes, but I'm a lot more selective. I have really intentional conversations. I'm very frank. I'm very open and very honest with them about what's happening. As you approach dating in the community and things like that, are there anything that you're like, mm, nope, <laughs> we're, we're not going to get past this conversation? Like red flag, not red you. Red flag? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if someone's partnered and if they're looking, if they're a couple looking, that's kind of a red flag for me. Not to yuck someone else's yum. But if someone is coupled up, because traditionally I have found that I've been used to fill those voids, so that's a hard stop for me. That's not to say I won't date someone that's partnered up, but I will ask, I've learned to ask specific questions to make sure that you aren't just trying to fill voids in your marriage and just trying to spice up your bedroom. I guess I kind of look for people that are, I'm not going to be their first girlfriend. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going to be their first girlfriend. Um, someone that has at least an understanding of what the term means. It doesn't mean that people aren't teachable or willing to learn. It's just I'm done being the emotional punching bag for someone else. <laughs> well, I can say this. And no direct fault of mine. Um, I have, there has been one 15-year marriage that has split because of entering into poly and it was uh -huh. their first girlfriend and then there has been another relationship that has split because of the poor boundaries um in navigating so for the people who are listening out there thinking hmm maybe i want to try this or hey my marriage is in a rough spot maybe we should introduce a third or you know like that anchor baby yeah. um, or hey i saw a cute girl at the bar and i think she should come home with me and my wife do you have any advice for them how do you start where do you find people how do you learn about this stuff 
So those are all very different scenarios because as soon as you were saying right. them, I was picturing how I personally would address that. So if I were at the bar and I saw someone I wanted to take home, that's already a conversation I've had with Kay mm -hmm. before I've even seen the girl at the bar that I want to take home. So that's already an open communication. So open communication is the best. I know they're hard conversations, but as soon as you're having those hard conversations, it becomes really easy. The other one was for the marriage piece, for sure, don't do that. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. I found a lot of solace in, it's not perfect, but I found a lot of solace in the book called More Than Two, and I forget who the authors are, but I'm sure you can Google it and it'll pop up. It's also on our link page, so for when people want to find it, we got the full reference there. Yeah, so they did a really good job in putting a face to the quote-unquote unicorns, so the people mm -hmm. like me that were operating as solo poly. Oftentimes, it's a nameless, faceless person when a couple is trying to find something to spice up their life or someone to attach that love to. That person comes with their own set of boundaries and rules and traumas and so forth. So I would say that'd be my number one. Also, maybe look at going to like kink parties or going to like swinger mm -hmm. parties or sex parties. I would hate for people to get confused. Yeah, I feel like that's a safe place to start because a lot of times people get confused with swingers and mm -hmm. polyamory. Polyamory is your primary relationship if that's how you operate. Not everybody operates in primary to give that message. But I mean, what? <laughs> so I heard about this new place <laughs> and everybody I've asked hasn't heard of this place but it's been there apparently for a while have you heard of the poly urban studios i've been there once you've been there once <laughs> we have a <laughs> does it look like the frat house i saw in the pictures online like the dorm room style setup yeah, yeah. i feel like it's an appropriate place okay. um but again I, I navigate in a queer world so i come from like a place where like there's glory holes and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one picture I, I I trolled online, I was like, it's a frat room. Yeah. There's just, it's just the frat room. Is there room for me? Is this like, is this for me? I don't know. Yeah. Don't knock it till you try it. I know. I, I RSVP'd. Um. <laughs> I do have I do have one friend who I told her about it and she found that it was more cost beneficial to just rent a hotel by the hour versus paying the actual fees. So I don't know if you want to look at it from that rationale, uh, but it is there. It's expensive either way. I think if you you just journey into yeah. that adventure land, for I, sure. I, oh my god, you're super cute. <laughs> Are you looking? <laughs> First day, I told not to give it all away on the first okay. day. Okay, oh, sorry, sorry, okay. I'm my legs. I'll stay tuned. <laughs> so, what makes you feel sexy? Uh, so, riding my bike like a badass downtown right now made me feel pretty fucking hot coming down. I mean, I was terrified, like I said, like when I first got here, I told you guys that I was terrified with the traffic, but once I got past that, I was fine. Like, I feel great. I fucking did that. Like, I just biked eight miles across town to get here. That's awesome. <laughs> what else? Like, dancing. Dancing's amazing when I can mm -hmm. find the space. Uh, I have had some hardships getting past my own body and just living. Intelligence makes me feel sexy. I like to know a little bit about everything. I like to try and keep up with the Joneses. I like to, you know, those kind of things. How do you get comfortable in your body? Like, that's a struggle for a lot of people is... It just doesn't feel quite right. And like anything exposing skin, yeah. getting out there, any risk feels like a big hurdle. Uh, what helps you? Time, space, and counseling. A shit ton of counseling. Yeah. <laughs> so backing up to moderating the Fat Positive group here in Sacramento, I'm one of four that puts in a lot of labor and efforts with the group. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence actually do the um, Chunky Dunk once or twice a year. We're actually having them on to talk about Perfect. that. Perfect. So maybe we'll get one of two plugs. So it's awesome. That's a great place to start. It's queer and trans, trans bodies. Straight fat folks are welcome as well. Allies are welcome as well. That's a good place to start. Showing up in your bikini and just letting all your fat hang out is fucking fantastic. The Chunky Dunk is awesome, yeah. yes. And a shout out to the sisters who will be on in, I think, two episodes. Perfect. They're awesome, um. yeah. <laughs> And... 
we're coming to the end of this. If people want to connect with you, if they want to connect with Fat Positive Sacramento or anything else, where would you tell them to go? So we do vet people on Fat Positive Sacramento. You can just type it into um, Facebook and answer the series of questions that we have because we do try to keep it a safe space for the Mm -hmm. fats that are there. Um, So just answer that series of questions and we'll either say yay or nay. Uh, For me, you can just find me, Melissa McMurray with an EY on Facebook and I'm I'm always open to just chatting with people. Uh, Instagram is where I post all my outfits because I'm looking for representation. I'm looking for more representation in the media, those kind of things. And that is, um, I think it's, fuck, I forget. Chevron prints and florals or something cheesy like that. We will put a link with your your photo on our page. We'll put a link to your Instagram because I love that page. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. You are absolutely awesome. Thank you. And uh, enjoy backing back in Sacramento this week. Thank you. Word. I'm going to hand it over to Auntie Vice for the intro. So we're here today with Wendy Lewis, the oh, awkward cur- cougar comedian. <laughs> you, you can get your, your mic. You're, you're familiar with those yeah. things. Pick up your phallus, Wendy. It may be a little smaller than you're used to. We're sorry. <laughs> I don't judge. I don't judge. I'm just happy if there's one offered. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you're a comic. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. Try to be funny occasionally. Yeah, once in a while. (laughs) A lot of bigger women, be they in burlesque or acting or comedy or whatever, are drawn to the comedic side of things. Yes. And it can be seen as a defense. What got you into comedy? Was it because you were really comfortable with your body? (laughs) I know. Um, I have always been uh, in theater since uh, for as long as I can remember. I've always been a ham, but I had like this weird thing where I actually have stage fright. (laughs) And when I did the whole theater thing, I was really good at it, but everybody's like, you overact too much. I'm like, but isn't that what acting is? (laughs) So um, when I worked at Nordstrom, a lot of the girls would, you know, always be good at being girls and I'm just like I come in there and be like so how are you doing I glued my eyelashes shut today what's you, what are you doing <laughs> I was like can, can we find a contour that can contour my whole fucking body what's up <laughs> so I'm like I just contoured him mm. I was like thanks Nars I have a six pack now I'm like when I saw that people were contouring the back of their necks I'm like oh there's no hope for me so one of the times I was making jokes and I was on the floor with um um, our department manager who I'd met at Nordstrom in Walnut Creek. Great. And he was good to me. And he knew that I was a hard worker. And I proved that to him when I worked at Walnut Creek because I would always bring in money. I'd always show up and I would just do my thing. So when I found out he moved to Nordstrom here in Sacramento, I was like, oh, I can finally get into that store because I had literally twi- tried for 12, 12 interviews to get hired at Nordstrom and they just wouldn't hire me. I finally got in and he made me the counter manager and I would just joke and he was standing there and he was giving me the stats and I did great that week and I was like sweet I should start beating my associates more or something like that and the girl standing there goes oh my god Wendy if you think you're so funny just go tell your jokes across the street (laughs) and just that week I had made jokes about okay well maybe I should you know and she's like well they have an open mic she kept like kind of egging me on so I kind of felt like it was like a dare so I saw that thing on Facebook for Laughs Unlimited Mm -hmm. and it was a contest comedy contest and I was like I can go I'm I'm funny I make people laugh all the time so I just entered it and she accepted me because I was like I have 16,000 followers on Google (laughs) (laughs) which which means nothing Nothing. (laughs) but i used that as my way in i was like "Mm." i was like there's a million people over on the other side of the world that think i'm fucking pretty great (laughs) but maybe two here that not so much (laughs) so uh i entered the contest and it's funny because i saw it too and it, it was rough when i came through the door I said I should have wore a red shirt and said, "Hey, Kool Aid." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, why am I doing that?" So I always would use humor with my clients to help them open up because a lot of women, when they come into a makeup store, they already feel weird and intimidated because I'm having to ask a total stranger, "Hey, can you make me look good?" And you're like, "Please don't fuck up my face." So there's like this trust thing. So if you could crack somebody up and go, girl, you don't know what I did with my eyebrows. I don't shave one off. You know, you're pulling them in and letting them know, I got you. You can trust me. 
I'm here for you. And you have to do that with like in a 30 second period and you have to overcome what your outside looks like. Because a lot of girls would go to someone that looks like you because you got all the cool ass tattoos. You got the cool fucking hair. You know, you're fucking tall as shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're just like already, you're just like, she's statuesque. I must go to her. <laughs> she knows everything. I can tell. And it's like, and then there's me in the corner where you can literally hear like Benny Hill music. And <laughs> so having to embrace that and just knowing that I'm goofy as fuck and going, okay, you know what? I'm going to be goofy and this is just going to be how it is. And if you don't like it, you know, go over there. So you mentioned, you know, being the first time on stage and wanting to make a joke about the way you look. Yeah. Your <laughs> when you decide to incorporate humor about your look and your appearance and stuff on stage, how do you determine what gets in, what gets out? Well, usually I think, um, it's okay for people to make fun of us big people because they're like, oh, it's, just, it's an easy target. You know what I mean? So I like to lob some stuff at the skinny people too. Like I'll make a joke about, hey, sometimes I want to hold her down and force feed her Twinkies. You know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just just so one thigh gets really fat, you know? <laughs> Not both of them, just one. You know, just make her lopsided on a plane. You know, it's just little things Ooh. like that. And then people start laughing because they can relate because they're like, because you've always, or like, you know, where you're, you're like, like I have that joke where I say, you know, I was like, do you just wake up and birds just sing for you and shit? Your bills get paid on time. People text you back. What, right? <laughs> what world is this that you live in? <laughs> and, and, and I make that joke that, and I, this has happened where I've broken down on the side of the road and I feel like, I, you know, if I was a cute hot chick with my tits out, I would, people would be stopping. Hey, here's some money. Can I, you need a whole new car? What's up? And, <laughs> Let me start you a Kickstarter. Like, we got I, I this. Go fund you. She's like, oh my God, girl, we'll get you off your cancer. I don't have cancer. Oh, we'll get you a car. Be like, all right, cool. <laughs> and that's like, I feel like I have to throw a basket of fucking puppies at somebody's car to get them to stop. And they're like, why is the fat chick throwing puppies at cars? We're going to get you a MacBook. Pita. Don't worry. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it's just. It's in your future. I feel like if, if there's that exchange of irony no this is fucking weird you're not you're acknowledging that's fucking weird and if i already call it out and i'm already fucking gonna make fun of it then i already beat you to the fucking punch now what so now we're on equal ground so how do you navigate being such a high energy person and breaking the stereotype as a fat chick yeah mm, I, I think uh for me i have anxiety so mm -hmm. that's normal like my body's so excited <laughs> Mm -hmm. that it's like oh i'm so excited i gotta show you what's on the inside on the outside and we're like no, no. can we not do that you don't make friends if you barf on them <laughs> i think the whole world sees a fat person and you're like oh you should be miserable and depressed so if you're like i'm living my best life and i'm having a great time yes that's not just that's not just highlight that's chicken grease fuckers <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it makes it okay and i'm like we're okay and life's okay and we're all weird and trying to figure it out and let's just have fun and enjoy life and let's i feel like people are like, you gone i went to a store the other day and i was like you're so fucking boring you're a salesperson what the fuck right and you, engage me let's do like, this so uh so yeah you like the store <laughs> it's like and, they, and no personality and i like for me i feel like the most fun people to be around are people that actually have a personality mm -hmm. and i feel with being a bigger girl i just have to have a personality i have to have something because like i feel like pretty people can just show up and be pretty they don't even really have to have and that right. probably sounds pretty shitty because on the outside they're probably like oh my god i have to have depth too but your cheekbones Mm, fucking say otherwise so they needed some chicken grease <laughs> i was like i was like you probably don't even breathe chickens so oh. for me i feel like if you can just just be comfortable and that's why i was telling her i get like those tops that i wear they're actually lingerie shirts mm -hmm. but i wear them as tops and i cover it up because i was actually disqualified from a competition a comedy competition because they said that when i opened up my shirt that gave me an unfair advantage <gasps> because the whole audience when i opened it up they were like whoa and i was like i know huh and so then i pulled a bubble wand out of my bra that was like 12 <laughs> inches so that's pretty impressive so yeah. um yeah well i pulled it out of the side because well if i do wear more than one i'll put here 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 and here i had a woman walk around a show and say bonjour and she said that every person in the audience and she had some 
big tits. I mean, they were amazing yes. beasts. And she pulled out four bananas, an orange, and a sliced apple out of her tits and fed the entire yeah, audience. That's why I call them fun and I was bags. All, this is this is performance <laughs> art. That's why we call them fun bags. Yeah, it was beautiful. She's like, um, I keep a whole salad. I was convinced I could have put more shit in my tits, though. Like I, I was I, competitively <laughs> like in the kitchen looking. Like, did you see this one lady? There's this one lady. I've seen her on Facebook. She actually pulls out like a big ass bottle of fucking vodka from <laughs> straight up. Like, and then, like she's got a shaker. She pulls out from underneath. Then she's got some cups and shit. And I was like, and I was like, oh my god, she's the best person to go to the movies like, with. The pint bottles. I can put one <laughs> under each titty. Like what's good for you? Like Cavassier on one. No, you side. can have like Hennessy on one, some Coke on the other. <laughs> like what's up, baby? What's up? I know I'm not supposed to be eating while I know I'm, you are supposed to be eating. That's is the so point. Good. Yeah, you're ruining the continuity. <laughs> Your food is just so good. It is so amazing. One thing uh, we have to do though is talk about some of the things that have happened while you've been high. Okay. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> these are some standards. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Preferably while high, but we'll open it up. <laughs> <laughs> the worst advice given while high. Um, Oh, don't have sex when you're stoned. Why? I'm like, exactly. I'm like, why? That's dumb. I don't know if I've had unstoned sex in 10 years. <laughs> right? No, I'm dead ass. I do everything stoned. That I'm explains like, stuff. What? Yeah. I mean, whatever. I have expectations. <laughs> Sativa first. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't want to fall asleep yeah, on you because like, that's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, just just wipe it up whatever <laughs> whatever happens, yeah, happens. You, use a warm cloth please <laughs> no i from i think another bad piece of advice with, with uh drinking you know is always oh well, you gotta put food on it oh well, you gotta do this oh if you eat jello it tastes the same going up as it did going down or whatever <laughs> whatever that analogy is and i noticed like with weed you really don't have to like do that no because i've tried to smoke myself into a stupor and i just fall asleep so I've tried to drink myself into a stupor and I took a header into a tent and didn't wake up until the next day. So I could have been butt fucked and I wouldn't have never known. Oh, that's good. I never would have known. And that's unfortunate because CBD I kind of want to be relief. there. Yeah. I was like, why do I have bear fur on my butthole? What's oh, going no. on? Why didn't anybody tell me? How good was that tequila? <laughs> <laughs> so when you don't have Auntie Vice Kitchen munchies, what are your favorite munchie foods? Oh my god, seriously? <laughs> I have that thing where I like the savory sweet, so I like something salty and then something sweet kind of thing. So I I love chocolate covered pretzels. Mm -hmm. Those are amazing. And <laughs> and then let's see. Oh yeah, like sometimes like fried chicken, I tell her all the time, I can I literally like I smell it outside. I'm like <laughs> Oh, it's chicken. Fried. <laughs> I must have that in the, in my face right now. And then, like, there are times when I can tell my serotonin levels are low. Because so I'm like, I need to go to Jack in the Box because I need a chocolate milkshake and I need some french fries. <laughs> so, right. So, we, we've yeah. had that conversation <laughs> yeah. about the chocolate milkshake. Oh, my God. Because I feel like sometimes, well, when I've been really sick with stuff, uh, you know, your taste buds get weird. Mm -hmm. And I feel like weed kind of goes, hey, taste buds, we're going to invite you to a party because nobody ever invites you. Coke just totally acts like you're not even there anymore. And <laughs> it only tastes like baking soda anyways because that guy didn't cut it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so I feel like uh, with cannabis, your taste buds are sort of more ignited. Mm -hmm. So things it, like the shittiest foods, like, oh my god, <laughs> gym boys, you make tacos? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you put Parmesan cheese on your taco? Well, fuck yeah, I do. So, so I feel like, yeah, so I feel like weed just makes everything taste awesome, anyways. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, this chocolate ice cream, it sparkles. <laughs> 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 what is oh one God. thing that a, everybody has to try once in a lifetime? Threesomes. You should do that. <laughs> yeah, everybody should do an orgy at least once. Do it. Just, just you have. Okay, my whole thing is when you're old and they see grandma like drifting off and going, yeah, <laughs> wonder what grandma's thinking about. Grandma's thinking about getting it on and being banged <laughs> by two dudes at the same time. 
with the same name so she didn't have to worry about who was doing what so that's like, i feel like you need to have those experiences because as a human being i know not everything's for everybody but there's just some shit you should just do having sex outside in a public place mm-hmm. <gasps> just not while kids are around that's frowned upon in our society <laughs> so i just have fun i feel like fun is almost illegal now or you have to pay a lot of money for it <laughs> everybody should try something that gets them to appreciate life again if you're at a point where life's just fucking weird and you're like i hate my boss kind of want to kill my cat my wife fucking she totally bitches at me she always makes me wear these lame ass shirts i feel like as a human <laughs> i feel like as a human being you need to have that little thing that that helps turn and flip that switch in you that makes you go you know what i am here and i do have a purpose and i'm not just a robot not just part of the machine that i do have a pulse so for somebody that could be a threesome or somebody it could be trying stand-up comedy for the first time or somebody doing a a boudoir food photo shoot for our final question (laughs) sorry (laughs) what are you grateful for uh friends like you um i really appreciate people like you in my life uh because you're you're so bright and articulate and you're fun and you're interesting and you're multi-dimensional and you're just amazing person so i'm thankful for my friends the ability to make people laugh i never thought i would be this into it like i feel weird when i'm not doing it um my kids oh i really feel like i hit the kid lottery like (laughs) the rest of my life could be absolute shit but the fact that they actually like me as a person and they are happy human beings i'm like all right i can die happy well and weed weed. always i'm all praise weed praise weed we love the burning bush (laughs) (laughs) amen whoever discovered that smoking it was good i appreciate you boo appreciate you (laughs) i was like thank you thank Thank you you. so much for coming on you You are absolutely wonderful and we look forward to you guys are awesome thank you thank you bye bye This has been a Fat Chicks on Top production with your hosts, Auntie Vice and Jenilyn. Thank you to our sound engineer, Sharon Smith, and David Manga for our awesome music. For all things Fat Chicks, we're on every social media platform. For full interviews and explicit content, please subscribe to our Patreon.